morning, everybody. How are we doing? If you get your worship guides out, we're going to get right into our series this morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Derek, if you don't know who I am, and uh, the lead pastor at Connect. I want to say, first of all, Happy New Year to everybody. I can't believe 2013 has screamed up on us so quickly, but uh, it's just, it's good to be back in church. Did you guys all enjoy the week off last week? That's a trick question. Good job. You passed. You passed. That's awesome. You guys are smart. Yeah. Well, anyway, I enjoyed it. Uh, just kidding. Um, I am so excited to be back, though. It made me anticipate being back in church with you guys even more, just having kind of some downtime. And uh, frankly, I got to go to Lifesong, our sister church, uh, for the first time in, I think, six or seven years. I was able to get away and uh, go see my brother-in-law and sister. So, uh, so, so I had to cancel church just so I could go to somebody else's church. <laughs> But anyway, a couple quick announcements before we get into God and Your Bod, uh, our new series to kick things off. One, I want to just tell you, uh, for those of you who are frequent flyers or spiritual family, a part of our church, uh, we're in a fast. We just started on Friday. Uh, it goes from January 4th to uh, January 20th. I almost said June. That would have been the most killer fast in the history. <laughs> we all walk in, you know, knuckles, right? <laughs> I got nothing left. I'm spiritually full, though. Um, but uh, our fast is a 21-day fast. And uh, if you're interested in all the information on that, what's that all about? It's actually kind of an elementary uh, discipline in, according to Scripture. But for, for most people, like fasting is like for those really, like, crazy, intense people, you know what I mean? Shun the dead. You know, the ones that are like really all over you, scary, hockey, stocky, prayer walking people. But uh, no, it's, it's really something that's really good for you. It recalibrates your soul, spirit, mind, and body. It's really less, it's not punitive. It's actually more to help prosper you in your soul. So it's seen as punishment, but sometimes we have to kind of shut her down in order to get things running and rolling right, if that makes sense to you guys. So it's, it's about less about malnourishment and more about overnourishing your spirit. And so if you're interested in what fasting, uh, prayer and fasting, I might, you know, uh, I used to be better at prayer and feasting. But uh, just seeing if you guys are paying attention, nobody's really listening out there. But uh, if you're interested in prayer and fasting information, we have a fast focus that we sent out to everybody who is on our kind of text, you know, email list. If you didn't get one, because we don't have that, we'd be happy to give it to you. We also have hard copies printed up at the rear of the sanctuary, a nice little uh, presentation that uh, Deej did and, it, and uh, Gretchen put it together. So it's, it's real concise. It'll explain what fasting is all about and what our focus is for this year, which in a nutshell, again, if you're a family member or a frequent flyer, it's all our vision, the four things that we do. And I just wanted to refresh everybody on that. And we'll be praying about that in all our prayer meetings. There's a schedule of prayer meetings within the fast focus. So I want to encourage you, if you can't go to all of them, try to go to at least one. Come out and uh, pray with us together as we pray in the new year. We'll culminate the fast on uh, January 25th in our all-access worship night. If you liked what <clears throat> just happened a few minutes ago, uh, some of you have, who have not been, uh, we just have an incredible worship experience, and the whole thing is that, and it's awesome. And it's a great thing to do after a fast. There's just something about it. The band didn't get that much better, but uh, the people's expectation did. So um, they're already good. Amen? Amen? And then the next announcement I have is uh, uh, kind of a little bit more sober uh, and serious. Uh, I just want you to know that as a church and as a leadership, we've been praying about the whole Newtown, Connecticut response, the Sandy Hook response, and uh, uh, I will, I will kind of, I'm going to do a message on God and the body and pain, what, what God has to say about pain. Why is there pain? 
Uh, why is it allowed? What's it for next week? You don't want to miss that message. It'll have some connection to really what's happening in our culture today. If you're new to our church, uh, we, we talk about stuff, you know, that happens between Sundays. We don't just tr- talk about pithy, pious things and it not actually translate into everyday life. And so uh, I'm going to kind of address it uh, from a scriptural standpoint. Why, you know, why is there pain in the world and what we can learn or benefit from it? But on uh, next Sunday, we're going to begin, uh, we don't actually take a formal offering, but we are going to have a financial response uh, to the Sandy Hook needs. And uh, we have more than that, and I'll reveal that more next week when I have more time. But uh, I just want you to prepare, if you would like to sow, we have a uh, reputable organization to donate to that will help. Uh, the families uh, lo- who have lost a loved one with short and long-term counseling care. I found a church that is uh, strategically in the middle of all that's going on there, and uh, they're very reputable. They have a board of trustees that are handling all the money, and so we're just going to take offerings and then just send that to them for that. So I want to make you guys aware of that. We'll probably have three or four weeks of that. We'll also have a couple of weeks of prayer I'm getting into all the details, but I'll get into that more next week. I just, for those of you who like to sow and, you know, you, you have that gift to give and you want to do something, uh, we will do more than pray for them, which we will, but we will also give, and I just wanted you to know that. Amen? Amen. Are right, you ready to go? Yeah. All right, so you get your worship guides out. We're going to, if you're, uh, you got bio, physical Bibles or you have your, your iPads or your, your, your iPhones or whatever, you can get into version um, and follow along with us in there, but um, there's two portions of Scripture that are the that uh, we'll talk mainly from today, um, but uh, the theme of our series comes from Colossians 1.16, this is not in your notes, and 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, and if you put these two texts together, it basically says that our bodies were created by him, for him, to bring honor to him. You say, well, it's my body, I can do what I want to. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it was created by him. It was created for him to bring honor and glory to him. And so this series is about that. And we're going to talk about many different aspects of the body. Today we'll talk about the body uh, at rest. What does the Bible have to say about rest for the body? When I say body, I mean soul. I don't mean just, just physically. I mean spirit, mind, and body. Uh, next week we'll talk about the body and pain. We'll talk about uh, the body, uh, the, phys- the physical body, like fitness and health. Are you a worshiper? Are you a neglector of the body? We'll talk about uh, the body in community on the 27th on our small group rally launch. We'll talk about in the 1st of February, the body um, not just in community, but in communion. So we'll have communion on the first Sunday of the month in February here in the main service. So I just wanted you to know what this series is kind of about and kind of an overview. But today, we're going to talk about something that, frankly, um, for me, uh, is very convicting. And uh, my staff and I were talking about this a little bit, and we, uh, we've determined uh, in advance to respond to this altar call ourselves um, because uh, this is something that, we all struggle with. I know I do. Um, and uh, this is just kind of one of those messages that I don't have all worked out. Uh, and sometimes you just, you, you know, thank God for truth and grace. Amen? In other words, you, 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 there's truth, but there's grace, and they can coexist. And, and you can't have grace if you don't embrace truth. So I want you to know that I'm embracing this truth and working it out, and, um, um, and I hope that you will too. But we're going to talk about the Sabbath, the Sabbath. And it's, it's, I want you, when you think of the word Sabbath, I want you to think more of a principle than a rule. A principle has, I don't know, flex to it. It's, 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 it's uh, 
The application is more life-giving. But as early as Genesis chapter 2, this idea of Sabbath or rest shows up. Jesus, uh, you know, is the word. This is going to get too complicated maybe, but God, God's word was, God spoke and, and the word that came out of his mouth was Jesus. Before he became flesh, he was the word, it says in John 1. And when he, when he spoke, he said, let there be this and let there be that, light. And let the, the moon, the stars, and the earth, and the seas, and the fowl, all that stuff. But then it says, and then he created man. And then it says, and then he rested. And then he rested. And on the seventh day, he did that. And so you can see that this was here at the very beginning. And sometimes people think this is just kind of an Old Testament thing. But I, I think it's a God thing. And God is timeless. And so as a principle, uh, I want to introduce this or reintroduce this to our lives. Uh, even though there are a lot of debates about what the Sabbath means uh, there's really very little debate that in a nutshell it means a day of rest. Or you could say, uh, uh, take a day off if we were to modernize it. And um, I want to talk about kind of God's role in our body and the importance of rest. The Bible says that we should have a Sabbath. And, and, and just to start things out, let's all just take a deep breath, for example. Let's all, everybody take a deep breath and let it out. One more time, one more time. <sighs> Now, doesn't that make you want to yawn in someone's face right now? Let's all just, let's have an imaginary yawn. Turn your right and just, right in somebody's face, you know? No, don't do that. But, but when we think about Sabbath, we, 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 we think about, it's like a yawn comes to our mind, you know? And I want you to know that the Sabbath is far more than sleep. And so please don't go to sleep in the service. I'm not boring. Don't sleep. I'll come out there after you. But uh, the truth is, if we were to talk about sleep, Americans in our culture today uh, uh, are getting less sleep than any other time in history in an effort to be more productive. Do you know that the average American sleeps 5.7 hours per day? Because and we're doing more, doing more, doing more, but the question is, are we really getting more done at the end of the day? And, and, and Sabbath is, is, this, is just an important principle that uh, we need to employ. And the big idea is this, and this is in your notes, and you can fill it in if you're following. Um, you, you need to rest to be blessed. You need to rest to be blessed. In other words, you will be more productive. You, you will get more done, you will have more vitality, your relational uh, outcomes as well, financial, physical, uh, emotional. You're going to be more blessed, have more favor on your life if you learn how to rest. And I, I maintain you need this more than you think you do. I think many of us, you know, will show up more tired tomorrow going to work than when we left on Friday. Okay, we've gotten into this kind of, I call it the speed of life pace. There's the speed of light and there's the speed of life. I think it's faster now, it's insane. And, and, and we just don't, we don't sometimes see how fast things are moving. I don't until I unplug, you know, until I go to like, uh, uh, you know, the Caribbean, you know. Uh, many of you guys know we were in Aruba a little while ago. My wife and I celebrating our anniversary, you know, getting down and getting brown, praise Jesus. And while we were there, while we were there, we unplugged from the matrix, and it was there that I realized, you know, it's like, it's, it, and I use that analogy on purpose because you don't realize, you don't see the world right until you unplug. It's like all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, you know, the machine is just never stops. And sometimes that's what it takes. And we, we may think we're being more productive, but it's, it's like, I, I won't, I don't want to step on all this nice stuff, but just imagine me right on the edge of this, you know, 
walking on the edge of this while I was preaching the whole time. First of all, it would cause me to have to divert a lot of energy, attention, and, and focus to just making sure that I don't trip and fall. And, and then you guys in the audience are, who love me so much are worried about me. You know, will he trip? Will he fall on his face? It's, it's such a handsome face. We wouldn't want anything to happen to it. And, and you'd be all stressed out. And you couldn't pay attention to what was coming to my mouth because you'd be worried about because I have no margin. I'm on the edge. I understand what I'm saying? So the things that we do without rest, without Sabbath, affect far more than our productivity. It affects not just us, it affects everybody else in the process if we don't have this principle at work in our life. Is everybody tracking? I, 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 not too long, well, actually it was a while ago. So I, I don't ski uh, because, because I stink at it, but I remember skiing a long time ago, and I used to have problems with my back, and I believe God's healed it, but whenever, I used to get so mad going skiing because because I could do it, you know, like I could, I, within, you know, a little, bit of, a little bit of time, I could get up on some of those crazy trails. But, um, but within like two runs, I'd had this lower back pain and my thighs were burning out, and, you know, and, and these people were going by me that, you know, never get in shape. And I'm like, what the heck? This is not fair. I'm so mad. So I'd go into the, uh, the lodge and kind of recover, you know, and massage my back and work it out. And I remember meeting a, a youth pastor that was there. And he, and he short version is he, um, he'd take his his part of his uh, youth group, like in 10s or 12s, um, every single weekend he'd take him to, uh, I think it was Mount Wachusett where we were at. And um, I'm like, that's cool. He said, this is how I get to know them. And I said, what are you doing in here? He says, well, actually, I go up the mountain, I come down, and I go into the lodge, and then I go to the infirmary to see if any of my kids are in there. He goes, I go up the mountain, then I go down, then I go into the infirmary to see if my kids are there. He goes, what I've discovered after all these years in talking to some of the people who work here is, is that... Nine, this is what, the, this is what the, uh, the guys on the trails would say. 90% of the accidents happen in the last hour of the day. The last hour of the day, in fact, 90% of the deaths on, on um, these ski resorts happen in the last hour of the day. Because, and he, this is what the guy said to the youth pastor, he said, it's because the people are tired and overconfident. They're tired and overconfident. And we, and we have a culture like that. We have a culture that is tired and overconfident. And we think we got it. And we're just one more time and, and we're rolling along and bam, slap, smack. You know, we can get the smack down in our lives. And we don't realize what caused it. It's, it's because we haven't pulled away, unplugged from the matrix and got some rest. The truth, the principle has so much potential to change our lives if we'll embrace it. Look at Exodus chapter 16. It's in your notes, Old Testament. There's some strong Old Testament scripture here. Uh, I realize that. I'll try to contextualize it as best I can. But this is what it says. It says, then God speaking. Then he said to them, uh, tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will. Bake today. Boil what you will. Boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up till morning as Moses commanded. And, did, and, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. I'll explain that in a minute. Then Moses said, eat that, for today is Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you will gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commands and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you Sabbath. The Lord has given, it's a gift. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Let me, let me, let me explain this. So this is uh, the story where God is providing manna from heaven, literally like 
you know, sweet bread, you know, some of that like entomate pastry from heaven to, go, to the Israelite. Amen. Can we feel the anointing come in the room? We're fasting, Pastor. Can you give us a break? I like the raspberry Danish in particular, if you guys ever want to gift me with that. But anyway, uh, he's providing manna every day for uh, the Israelites, and he gives them this instruction. I'm going to give you just so much every day. Only take the amount that I tell you to take. Don't take any more. But they didn't. Many of the Israelites didn't do that. They took more than they were supposed to. And then the next day, it was rotten. And there were worms in it because they didn't do what he said. He was trying to teach them several things. He was trying to teach them that I will provide. And then he said, if you do it my way, on the sixth day, you can collect double. And on the seventh day, when you rest and you don't go out to collect, it won't rot. Is everybody tracking with me? So the people that didn't do it, they, it rotted. The people that did it right on the sixth day, they took double. The next day, it was there. So he's trying to teach them, I want you to rest on the seventh day, and I will provide for you. Everybody tracking? That's what was going on in this text here. It's pretty important. And so what happens is many, if we apply this to ourselves, let's modernize that. Many of us don't rest or we don't take that Sabbath time because we're convinced we won't have enough the next day. God will not provide for us. He's saying to you, to me, and I believe this is something that is there for all time. I want, this this is a gift to you. I'm giving you this. Rest. Do, just do what you're supposed to do, and I'll provide for you on the seventh day. Are you tracking with me? So let me give you five reasons why we should rest quickly. Number one, it's a commandment. It's a commandment. This actually made God's top ten list. It was number four. David Letterman didn't come up with that. God did. It was number four on God's top ten list is to take a Sabbath. Sabbath is like, um, if we don't take one, we get dull, actually. It's the, you may have heard this if you are kind of in a leadership track. I, lead, I read tons of leadership books, but it's called the principle of sharpening the saw. You, 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 you have to pull away sometimes, stop doing work, and sharpen the saw so that when you go back to work, you're not, your life is not dull. I mean, every part of it, the vitality of it, your health, your emotional, all the things that I was giving that analogy, everything is affected when you don't sharpen the saw. And God knew that we would need to revitalize our lives regularly or our life would get dull. The Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, it's in your notes, verse 8 and following, it says, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day, everybody say seventh day, is the Sabbath or for the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle. I don't know any cows at work, but I guess that happened. Nor your stranger that's with you, within your gate, staying with you, working for, you know, room and board. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. This is what God did, the sea and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he hallowed it. Now let me, let me, let me again, contextualize this for us. This is a semi-sarcastic statement, okay? Um, Aren't you glad that you and I, as followers of Christ, don't need to obey the Ten Commandments? Isn't that great? Of course we need to obey the Ten Commandments, don't we? Turn to your neighbor, of course we do. Turn to your second choice, of course we do. All right? If I was to say to you, I mean, we know that's ridiculous. We need to obey the Ten Commandments, uh, but, but but we treat the Fourth Commandment like it's not one of the ten. 
Now, it's, it's going to get ouchy in here. It's going to get, I love how it hurts in a second, I hope, for some of us. But if I was to go through some of these commandments and I was to say to you, do you believe that you, um, you should have, that you should, do you believe the commandment that thou shalt have no other gods before me? We'd all say yes. You know, do you believe that uh, we shouldn't have any, any idols or take his name in vain or you, you should honor your parents, your father and mother, that it may go well with you, that you shouldn't lie, that you shouldn't steal, shouldn't, you shouldn't murder, you shouldn't commit adultery, you shouldn't covet what your neighbor has. All of us would be like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then if I said, do you believe that you should take a day off? I think most of us would say, yeah, but do you? Don't answer that out loud, but do you? Now, now, there's a few people in here that need to get to work, and I realize that, all right? Some of us need to get up off our duff and get to work, but, but there's a lot of us, especially in this culture, and I would say regionally in particular, where we're just kind of drivers, and the Bible's saying it's a commandment, top four, and, and, and God told me that in spite of me to be strong on this with all of us, he told me that this, this actually could change their entire year if they would embrace this. And so I think it's really important if you listen and you hear this, it, it could change everything. I don't know about you, but, but um, uh, you know, in my case, you may not realize this, I have to work weekends. All right? That's funny. You can laugh. I have to work weekends. My Sabbath is, is Monday. All right, my Sabbath is Monday. And so, you know, you, you got to find, uh, you say, some people ask the question, you know, does the Sabbath have to be the seventh day or Sunday or whatever, you know, depending on your traditions and how you do calendaring and stuff like that. Uh, I don't think God is all upset about what day of the week it is. I think, if you, especially if you're looking through a New Testament lens or a New Testament context, I think he just wants you to have a Sabbath. And so my, so my staff knows that Monday is my day off. And in fact, not too long ago, somebody came to me and said, Pastor, I know it's your day off. I know it's your day off, you know it's coming, right? But when you see a but, you know there's a problem. You can take that however you want to take that. But would you be willing to... Can I tell you how many times I hear that? I can't even tell you. Like Gretchen would probably want to do cartwheels down the aisle right now. So many times, so many times I hear that. And, and, and I wanted to correct the person in my head, but I didn't. I, I wanted to say it's really not my day off. It's really my Sabbath. You know, my day off is actually supposed to be Saturday. But, uh, but the truth is, uh, uh, I could have responded and said, do you know what you're asking me? Do you know what you're asking me? Um, I, in other words, if you, take it, if you take this literally, if you see this, I think, the way God see this, sees this, I, I, I'm submitting to you. I could have responded, you know, why don't you just ask me to lie? Why don't you just ask me to commit adultery on my wife? Why don't you just ask me to kill somebody? That, that's kind of, it's a commandment. I'm just trying to paint a picture for some of us. Are we tracking? And so it, it, it's, that's how God sees it. And, and, and that guy, you know, he was asking me to break one of the Ten Commandments. What if we looked at it that way? And again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this into balance, but I'm, I'm just, I think we're so far over here that we, we need to steer over this way a lot more, a lot more. And, and, and it's a principle for us today. In fact, the Word tells us in Colossians that these commandments were a forerunner of rest in Christ but it's a principle that we must apply. We must rest one day a week, in, in essence. And I don't think we follow the Ten Commandments to be saved. No, of course not. We're saved by faith, th grace through faith. But, but, but let me ask you if, you, if you honor the commandments, are there blessings and benefits if you honor the commandments? Of course there are. So then if you don't honor the commandments, could there possibly be consequences? Of course there are. 
If you lie, are there consequences? Yeah. If you commit adultery, are there consequences? Yeah. If you murder somebody, are there consequences? Yeah, absolutely. And so that's why we need to seek the Lord and give him the first fruits, uh, just like we're doing in our fast right now, praying and fasting. Fasting uh, from the physical side is we're just shutting down our bodies from, you know, it's giving a time to rest. Do you know how much, uh, there's so much statistical information on this or, and, and scientific information on the, the benefits of fasting to our physical bodies? Do you know your body, uh, the average American, never has a 24-hour period without food in it in its entire life, but the benefits of just going 20, 23 hours when we start to detoxify our system. I'm going to start getting like Dr. Derek up here, but what I'm trying to say is, the same benefits that come out of that physically are there spiritually, emotionally, relationally. It's all there if we'll shut her down once in a while. Are you getting this? It's important. It's very, very important in our lives today. And, um, you know, I think it would save marriages if we, were regu- if we were regularly doing this. I think there'd be less stress. A lot of uh, uh, couples, um, we actually have surveys now. They're stress indicators for marriages. A lot of the stuff that's going on is all this external stuff. N- no work, you know, relational problem here, you know, physical problem there, no margin, trying to cram it all. It's, it's, it would save marriages. It would save our finances if we, if we had rest because we have time to think and process. And I think health is a huge part of it as well. So that's the first thing. It's commandment. Number two, it's a witness. Everybody say witness. It helps tell the story. Many don't realize how this, how this actually communicates who God is and God's power. Um, Exodus 31, it says, verse 14, it's in your notes. You shall keep the Sabbath, for it's holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall sure, ooh, this is going to be strong here, put to death. For whoever does not does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to God. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath, he shall surely be put to death. Again, I'll contextualize this. Hang on. If, just, just as a, a parenthetical look at me, there were three sins in the Old Testament where the consequence of it uh, was the death penalty. One of them was uh, adultery, not honoring your father and mother, and keeping the Sabbath. That Those were the three that's, that's what God, that's, those were the three consequences of that. You know, uh, Sabbath, uh, you know, um, adultery, and then disobeying your parents. Some of you guys would probably like to reinstitute the disobeying your parents one. You know what I mean? If you were in the Old Testament, I'd kill you. You know? Anyway, you guys can do what you want with that one. But the, the, anyway, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. That is, that is kind of us now, according to the New Testament, we're grafted into the, to the, to this, to Israel. Israel, not to us, but us to Israel. To observe the Sabbath through their generations as a perpetual covenant. How long is a perpetual covenant? Forever. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. How long? Forever. For, or you could say because, in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Everybody say, and was refreshed. Okay, this is one of the most difficult passages for theologians to interpret this last part, and I'll get to that in a second. But let me, I'll explain that he was, what it means to be rested and refreshed. In other words, how could an omnipotent God need to be kind of rebooted or refreshed, re-energized? Did he get tired? We'll get to that in a second. But the Sabbath is a witness and, 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 and if I was to modernize it, it would be like back in the day, let's just kind of take old school and new school and put it together. It would be back in the day if an Israelite was working with someone or for someone, and that person, let's just say it's a, you know, um, you know uh, no, 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 a Philistine is like producing, you know, uh, uh, um, 
swords and, and different medals and stuff for the Israelites, which was something that actually happened. And the Israelite was coming and working for them and helping them or whatever. The, the, the Philistine sends an email and says, I need you to work on this day. And it happens to be the Sabbath. The Israelite would say, I can't work on that day. Well, what do you mean you can't work on that day? I can't work on that day because it's the Sabbath. What, what are you talking about? What's the Sabbath? Back then, it was totally new. We know what it is now. I've heard the word. Back then, they didn't. So it became an opportunity to explain that, and they'd go back and they'd say, well, well, well you, come on, you know the story. You know, you know, God created the heavens and the earth, and, and he did this, and he said, let there be that, let there be that. And then on the seventh day, he rested. No, I don't know that story. Oh, well, let me tell you the story. And it became an opportunity for them to witness to the people. It became a powerful tool, the Sabbath, to witness. It also became a tool because they were productive doing less on six days what everybody was doing in seven are you tracking with me? Which is the same witness that God wants us to have today. Look what people who follow my principles, when they do it my way, look what happens. They're more productive. And it's a witness to the world when people do that. What are you doing today? I'm, it's my Sabbath. I'm resting. I'm resting. That's what I'm, well, what are you doing on your, on your Sabbath? Nothing. You know, nothing at all. And so it witnessed to the fact that we were created by him for him to bring honor to him. Now this word refreshed, the root word of it is to breathe. The other part of it is to take. So it basically means, part of the word is to, to take a breath. But, but, so basically what God did was, he took a breath. That's what it means that he was, he, he was refreshed. Now, what did he do prior to that? When he was creating the earth, he was saying, let there be. When you have to speak, you have to, you have to exhale. You have, let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. And then on the seventh day, he went, he took a breath in. And which in essence is what he's wanting you and I to do. You're going to have to do a lot of this and a lot of this and a lot of this. There's a lot of give. There's a lot of exhale to your life. But I want you to inhale. This is where you'll be energized. This is where I can, this is, you know the phrase, can I catch my breath? The phrase, that this is, this is where we're supposed to catch our breath. But, and many of us don't. It's just like, a parallel would be, it's like the tithe. My son was referenced this and often does when he's doing the, uh, the, the announcements, is when you, when you see it got through God's eyes, you realize that 90% under God's management is better than 100% under mine. So I realize that if I give him, if I, if I manage the 90 and I give him the first fruits, so the, the order is just as important as the amount. It shows priority. Then God takes that and he blesses the rest. It's the same way with your time. The same reason people don't tithe is because they don't trust that God will bless the rest. It's the same reason we don't do it with our time, people. It's because we don't believe working less, God will bless the rest. And so it's, it's, a, it's, it's where it all kind of where the rubber meets the road. And so how, how would you, how do you create? How do you recreate yourself or recreate? You, you, you have to see this as important. Number three, God is serious about it. God is serious about it. So it's a commandment, it's a witness, and God is serious about it. Now we can see that from the previous scripture, but Numbers 15 says, now the children of Israel were in the wilderness. They found a man, a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation, and they put him under guard. Well, of course they did, because after all, he's a stick picker-upper. And a complete menace to society, obviously, for his stick picker-uppering. And so uh, they put him under guard because it had not been explained what should be done to people who basically pick up sticks on the Sabbath. Well, actually, the truth is it had. They just didn't, they just didn't know if God was that serious about it. So then the Lord said to Moses, who's speaking here? God. 
the man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp, so as the Lord commanded Moses. All the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died. Now, this is not stoned. This is stones being thrown, okay? Now, I don't know how to do Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament has some harsh realities to it. You know, uh, I get that. Um, and God always worked in the context of a culture to try to grab people's attention and make himself known. And in the New Testament, he's, nobody would be stoned or killed for this. But the principle is still there, okay? And in other words, I debated putting this in there because it's so strong and I don't have time to explain why that's that way. But I wanted you, I wanted you to see how serious he was about it back then and that he's not completely uh, abandoned how important it is. What he was trying to do was not just kill innocent people. What he was trying to do was say, I love you. This needs to be a priority for you. Amen. We are no longer under the law, but we should be under the principle still. And there still are consequences. And if you don't do it this way, you'll die anyway. You're slowly dying. Uh, in fact, uh, a question I put in my notes is, are you dying faster than you should because you won't rest? Are you, under, are you under, as it were, already, because we're not under the principle of the Sabbath, a death penalty of sorts because you won't receive a gift? That's what God calls it, a gift from God. It's not bad, it's good. It's as if God says, I, I, I have this gift for you that I want to give you to make life easier for you, to make you more productive, to keep you refreshed and recreated all the time, but you just, you won't, you don't believe me. You don't accept it. And he does that in a lot of different areas in our life, and we just don't believe him. And as we go into 2013, let's be a church that takes, let's be a people that takes God as his word and does it. Be hearers, but obeyers as well. And so take the day off is really what he's saying. And why wouldn't we do it? I just think we, won't, we don't believe sometimes. Sometimes. A question I always hear is, what do you do on your Sabbath? What do you do on your Sabbath? I rest. I rest. The truth is a better question should be, or the question that should be asked is, what do you not do on your Sabbath? What do I not do? I don't do any work. What do you, what should you do on your Sabbath? It's what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't work, you know, and things that, uh, I'm going to meddle here, but things that are associated with your job, don't do that. I mean, we're so plugged in. Um, we used to have, in the old days, a home phone and an office phone. And they were separate. Now we have the all-encompassing phone, right? And it's with us right now. Probably on. Probably interrupting me and you in this experience. I mean, I swear we've fallen in love with that sound. Mm, we can't even survive without a few of those every few minutes. It's like a heart monitor. Mm, yep, you're still there. I heard it. Um, constant, constant contact. And so no work means no emails, no texts, no phone calls, no things related to work. And, and we, we can't have a, have a Sabbath unless we shut off the buzz. Are you tracking with me? Can you handle this? Now, you can be legalistic about this, I understand, but the principle is what's important. What's well, say, Pastor, what if there's an emergency? <sighs> you're going to make me go there, aren't you? Listen, if, so, if Roy called me up on Monday, my Sabbath, and said, Pastor, Pastor, uh, I know it's your Sabbath, but uh, the church is on fire. <laughs> well, don't bother me, man. It's my Sabbath. <laughs> Listen, I get it, okay? It's an emergency. That's an emergency. If it's life-threatening, if somebody's safety's in question, and all that kind of stuff. But the truth is, if, if, if 
looking at my, I have so many examples and illustrations I could give, but everything's an emergency to them. This is an emergency. I need, I need, I need, I need you. And I'm on a date, and I'm with my family, and, and I'm trying to pray and get ready for you all to give you something to actually help. Listen, man, don't bother me. It's my Sabbath. And so sometimes we don't know how to differentiate what a Sabbath looks like, and I think you have to interpret it's an emergency. I've actually created, like, constitutions or values, like, on my Sabbath, like, you know, unless it's like a wedding, a funeral, somebody's dying, no, because it, would, it will not stop. And do I violate it from time to time? Honestly, yes. Do I pay for it? Yes. Yes. Do I really help people when I violate that? No, I really don't. I really don't. It's tough, what I'm saying, I, and I just think it would help you too. Don't do anything associated with, number four, unobserved Sabbaths accumulate. Whoa. Sabbaths you don't use accumulate. Let me show you this, and I'll paraphrase this text, 2 Chronicles 36, 20 and following. It basically, I'll let you look it up on your own later, but it's, it talks about the Israelites had violated the principle of Sabbath for their land, not just them, but for their land. And what ended up happening was, um, basically, let me give you a little stat on the side here. They've agricultural uh, science has revealed that if every seven years you give the soil a rest for one year on the seventh year, it will produce more um, fruit, plants, whatever that is needed, whatever the, whatever the um, uh, product is going to be. If you give it one year, it's a fact. You can look it up. You can Google it. Don't do it now. I know you could. Uh, it's a fact, Jack. And isn't it ironic that it's not six years, it's not eight years, it just so happens to be seven years. Might just suggest something by design. Just suggest. You think about it. Do the math. Carry the one. Uh, I'm just telling you. So, so what's going on here in this particular example, the Sabbath applied to everything. God established these things. On the seventh year, don't plant. Give the soil a rest. You're supposed to store up in the sixth year. You live on that. And they didn't do it. And they didn't do it for uh, 490 years. Now, listen, wouldn't you, if when you do something for 490 years, wouldn't it be kind of an assumption that, you know, you're getting away with it and it's kind of working out for you? Well, that's not what happened in this text. It's as if God was up in heaven going, seven years, that's one. 14 years, <laughs> that's two. And he counted and so what ended up happening is Israel got uh, captured uh, by an enemy and they were enslaved for, guess how long? 490, let's take seven, 70 years they were enslaved while the land was refreshed. But it enjoyed, it says, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. So here, here's where I'm going with this. If you did something for that, of course, you'd, you'd think you'd get away with that. But, but if God is that Serious about the land? How, how serious do you think he would be about you and I, his greatest creation of all? God is serious about this. And if God's concerned, concerned about the land enjoying, and, and, and by the way, the operative word there is enjoying. Enjoying. It's a, it's, it's a joy. The Sabbath, if he wants the land, then how much more you? And, and so I remember talking to somebody about Sabbath. This was a while ago. And a guy said, so does that mean I can play golf? That's the first thing you want to know. And his wife was like in the wings, and he wanted her to hear my response to that question. 
He's like, so that mean I can play golf, pastor. Could you turn it up a little bit with your answer there a little bit? And I said, yes, it means you can play golf uh, as long as, you, you know, and I kind of qualified it. You don't take too much time away from your family, and it's within your budget and within your means. And I, but I can play golf. Yes, you can play. See, honey, I can play golf. So then she comes over to me and, and, asks, and asks me to explain, and then she says, so that means, so that means I can shop, can't I? And then I said, well, yeah, of course, you know, if you don't take too much time away from your family and you stay within your budget and all that kind of stuff. But that's people's mentality right away. Is, but the point is, you should be able to enjoy yourself. Do something that you enjoy. Something that causes you to unplug, that causes you to recreate yourself. Um, there's a lot of stats on this. Uh, I read a book about pastors who fall and stumble and fall. Uh, predominantly or, or specifically infidelity. One of the top reasons that men and women fall and fail in their marriages, specifically in my profession, is because they don't have a place that they recreate themselves. There's no recreation, no hobby or interest outside of their work and their family. Isn't that interesting? You need to pull away from that. So it's important. Uh, last point. God made the Sabbath for our benefit. It's a gift. Everybody say it's a gift. Mark 2, 27 says, verse 28 says, Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not the man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was for us. It's a gift for us. In other words, God didn't make this for you to serve legalistically. He made us and he made this to serve us. It's a very big difference. And I believe I'm recently really starting to understand this. I, I was, I was um, you know, um, I just want to say this. You've got to find a way to schedule this into your life. This needs to be, a lot of people prioritize their schedule, but they do not schedule their priorities. You need to schedule your priorities. Sabbath should be a priority like any other thing that you schedule in your life. And, and let, me, let me make something practical for you. This is bonus material. If you've got any white margins anywhere, write it on your forehead, your neighbor's hand. Four tanks that we need to fill. This is bonus. We've got our... our Mental tank, our physical tank. This is good for you going into the new year, and this will be good for the whole series. Your physical tank, your mental tank, your emotional slash relational tank, and your spiritual tank. Uh, when I say emotional, I mean when you relationally connect with somebody. That's like date night, family night, pillow talk time with the missus or, or the hubby or your kids or your significant, uh, not pillow talk time right there. Let me back that up. Uh, uh, what is he endorsing there? Whoa. Uh, so you got to have that emotional tank. Spiritually, you know, where, where, are you having time? Are you having, we call them devotions. Are you having time alone with God? Are, are you, are, it's a good time to start the one-year Bible. If you've got version, you start your one-year Bible now. I just put it on audio. When I get up in the morning, it's the first thing I hit, my, my one-year Bible. Bible's going in my ear. I actually put a headset on, and I just walk around, and I listen to the Bible while I'm doing my shake, while I'm getting ready. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, it is. It's a great idea. And I, get through the whole, I got through the whole Bible last year, just listening to it, audio. Say, so what's your version? Ask somebody. We'll help you with that. All right? But then you need some time to worship and pray. And I, you know, pull up. And you get up. What, what books are you reading that are feeding and nourishing you? What books are you reading that are feeding you mentally? What are you doing professionally? What are you doing personally? I read leadership books all the time. You know, my goal is to read one a month because I read them. I don't really read them. I study them. You know? So what are you doing mentally? Physically. We're going to talk about that a little later. But physically, you know, if those buckets, if one of them is a quarter tank, one of them is a half tank, one of them is three quarter tank, I told God, I said, you really want me to have all those tanks a little higher, like, you know, almost full. He goes, no, I want them overflowing. I want you to minister out of the overflow of your buckets. You're not going to be able to do that if you don't have a Sabbath. 
if you don't have a rest period. Is everybody tracking with me? Yeah. Let me close with this and just say, and this is, I don't have the time to do this, but a couple of months ago, I got sick. I contracted some kind of a virus, mesenteric lymph adenitis. Look that up. The doctors didn't even know what it was. It was just a weird thing. So it, I was pretty sick. I was laid up in bed, flat, I mean, not flat, side, on my side, left, specifically my left side. I could not be on any other, I couldn't be on my back, couldn't be on my right side. My kids, my family will tell you this, could not move. Um, awful. Horrible pain. Physically, it was awful. Can I just tell you something? As bad as it was physically, it was worse emotionally for me. I can't tell you all the stuff that's going through my brain. What's going to happen if I can't do this, if I can't do that? How are they going to know to do this? What are they going to do about that? Blah, blah, blah. What if I don't get better? What if this? What if crazy emotional stuff going on? And, and it just, I, I remember the scripture. It, it, there's so much I want to say here, but I remember the scripture in Psalm 23. It says, you know, he will make you lie down in green pastures. And I was, I was, I was listening to that on my one-year Bible. And God said to me, if you won't lay down, I'll make you lay down. I didn't cause this, but I'm using this to get your attention. And you know, when I embraced what, what was the circumstance and what was happening and some of the pain of it or whatever, I realized that God was doing a work in me so that he could do a work through me. And some of you, like, you were so external. There's so much stuff going on externally that we never let him work on the internal. And, 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 and a lot of people change when they receive enough they want to change. When they learn enough, they're able to. But most people change when they hurt enough they have to. And that's, that's, I don't think that's ideal. But if you hurt, I would just say embrace it. Embrace it. Let God do something on the inside of you today and as we go forward in the rest of the year. Can you stand on your feet and let me pray for you? As your pastor, I'm just telling you, you need to take a day off every week. Every week, you need to take a day off. That's what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. I'm not even going to ask you. That is what he's saying. You need to do that. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads and just give God a minute to reach anybody that needs to be reached that he's talking to right now. I think about what the word says in Matthew 11:28. 28. It says, come to me. All ye who are weary, all you who are weary and heavy laden, burdened down. And then he says, I will give you rest. If you need rest in your soul, things are running and racing and 100 miles an hour and it's out of control. Emotionally, things are out of control. You fear out of control. Anxiety, concern of the future, all, uh, circumstantial stuff. Everything's all out of the control. In order for you to have rest in your soul, where he kind of, he begins to restore you, recreate you, uh, recoup that which was uh, taken from you, fix things that were wrong. In order for him to give you that kind of rest, the, the prerequisite, you have to come to him. He says, come to me. And maybe you're here today, sir, man, boy, or girl, I don't know who you are. And you've never come to him like that. You've gone to other things to find satisfaction, fulfillment, reward. And you're ready to come to him today and you're ready to invite him into your life at the speed of life you decided to pull off the side of the road this morning and just say hey if I need a ticket from God to get my attention I'll take it if it makes me stop and before you have to kind of be incarcerated by your circumstances you can just get a, a just a gentle warning from God himself and say hey are you going to let me come into your life right now and help put things in order if that's you 
today. You know that's you. He's talking to you. I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you down front or anything like that. But right there in your seat between me, you, and God, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to invite him into your life. One, don't miss an opportunity because you don't know what tomorrow's like. Two, I promise you there's nothing else that can bring satisfaction, that can bring fulfillment, that can minister to that void in your heart and in your life. Three, God bless you. Raise your hand good and high. Just look me in the eye. That's me. That's me. That's me. God bless you too. Thank you. God bless you, buddy at the back. All the way at the back, I see your hand. Sister, I see your hand all the way to the back. God's ministering to people. He's touching people right where they are. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Just, just, just pray this with me. Say, Jesus. Everybody, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I don't want to do life alone. I don't want to go into 2013 in the front seat of my car at the wheel without you. I've, I, I've decided today not to put you in my rearview mirror any longer. Come front and center. I'm buckled up, putting my trust in you, Jesus, my Savior, my Lord, from this day forward, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap all over.